Hi, this is Dr. Rod Story with Mere Medicine. Thank you for joining us again for another beautiful day. Although it may not be beautiful where you are, uh, it's beautiful here in the Prosperity Studio. I'm joined again by my wife. Hello. Hi, this is Jenny Story, and I'm so thankful to be doing this with her. I hope you're enjoying our banter as we go back and forth. As husband and wife, married 27 years, we've been uh, processing a lot of things together, and she helps me keep it practical. Yep. She's giving me that eye look. <laughs> then I, also guess, to, I guess they can't see my wink. <laughs> no, and to keep from getting into the weeds, because uh, uh, sometimes I can get a little technical. Um, but uh, I think you'll appreciate that we'll, we'll, we'll take a... What, what we're going to talk about today, which is birth control. Now, you might have listened to our personal story about birth control, and I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other po- uh, podcasts that we've done. Uh, our last conversation was about our own journey with birth control and how we used it. Birth control pills? Mm-hmm. Yes. We used yes. it for a couple of years as we were like, man, we're crazy fertile. Yep. I think we called ourselves jackrabbits for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just to be honest. And I think there's many couples that find themselves in that circumstance and are saying, wow, this this is amazing. Um, and it's so easy to get pregnant. And not and for others, uh, maybe not so. Um, but it, it certainly does does come um, predictably easily for many people. Uh, but there's there are we, – uh, we frequently get the conversation because through our medical practice – I do not prescribe birth control uh, for uh, contraception. I'm gonna. That's a whole sentence there. I do use oral contraceptive pills or or uh, hormones uh, for other th- uh, treatments, and and we're gonna get into the the depths of how that's different and and how we consider that, and yet also some of the uh, conversation that we need to have around the edges of that as we do like we do in a lot of medicine. Re- consider the risks and benefits. Right. Discuss the. Uh, alternatives, discuss the indications, and make sure that people understand and well informed that, that these are these are powerful things. Like a lot of medicines, they're they're not just a one direction kind of thing. But I, I thought we'd start off with your thoughts on birth control. I mean, you you're a woman, and you obviously have been a woman for all your life. <laughs> that seems to be a silly statement. Yeah, so um, not only what do I think about birth control, but I think um, I can speak from the experience we have at our medical clinic of what do what do many women yes. think about birth control. Um, I think many women don't think about it. Mm. It's just a given that I will take birth control, that birth control is an answer to um, heavy bleeding, heavy periods, um, spacing out your children, it, I think some women think, oh, there's might be some side effects to it, but worth it. Mm. Um, so yeah, a great way to kind of know when your cycle is going to start. Perhaps uh, you know in your early teen years, right. like a lot of women, you have uh, some cycles that are irregular. Helps with acne. Oh yes. Uh, you know, so and that's oftentimes when when women start on birth control. Right. Right. In those very few, first few years, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, they got a couple of heavy uh, bleeding episodes. The, the frequent direction is mom brings her daughter into the gynecologist and says, time to get on the pill. Right, yeah. Whether that's because they think that their daughter is going to be sexually active or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always because they think their daughter is going to be sexually active. In fairness, I think that that's not the whole picture, though. Mm-hmm. Um, some women do have concerns mm-hmm. about the hormonal birth control. And I, and I want to, I think it's worth us talking about because it isn't talked about often. I, I think... You, you alluded in the last uh, podcast how most women tend to, to see it as a switch. Yep. On Not off. just a switch for having babies, but a switch for 
Uh, so many other things. Right, for heavy periods, um, heavy meaning either the flow of the blood or um, heavy cramping. Yeah, and, and, and those are common issues. They're, right. They really are. They, they're, they're, uh, we live in a broken world that, that we know as Christians there's sin that affects our bodies, that we carry that effect. And for some women that, that is dysfunction. Um, that's, uh, as you discussed, all those me- medical issues that, that we have to address. And sometimes we do think about hormones, but it's, it certainly is almost always the first answer. Right. It and is. it's like a, Hey, take this pill. Right. There you go. Right. Or it's often used as a, well, you know, um, let's regulate your cycles and then we'll stop it and you can get pregnant the next month and have the conversation about, about that. Uh, which if you're paying attention, actually turns out to not be as easy as, as is often communicated by doctors and nurses. So you are an expert in this field. You have um, lots of extra training mm-hmm. in this area. Um, how do you approach birth control pills? Well, I, I think I've come to have a really different view than where I was in medical school. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of that background. So birth control was, was something that was trained, uh, taught me in training, um, although partway through, I came to realize personally that I we couldn't use it because of abortifactin effects, right. and that ultimately, by the time I was in residency, I decided I just can't even prescribe this for contraception because of the risk of aborting a child that's newly formed, um, and the, and that and that was a big deal to kind of come to that point. But I'd had a lot of training, which was. You know, this, this helps uh, women feel regular. It, um, yeah, there's a, there's a four-week on and one-week off kind of cycle. And uh, during that, that uh, cycle, that the, uh, that's actually kind of even a fake one. And right. so there was almost a wink-wink within medical school of, hey, we're, actually, these aren't, we're just doing this to make f- women feel normal with that bleed-through period, but it's actually not a real period, wink-wink. And, and that, was a, that was like a, oh, okay, hmm. there's a little bit of hoodwinking going on here. Right. The conversation at the time in Seattle was, well, why do we even have periods at all? The, and, and several researchers in Seattle, several physicians began just prescribing continuous hormone, no breakthrough bleeding, no week off. Let's just skip periods altogether. What a nuisance they are anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's really it's taken years of thinking about that to kind of come to a different sense of ovulation. Hmm. Okay, so, uh, and, and is this as... And I would say now uh, that ovulation is actually a, an essential sign of women's health. Hmm. And that's going to open some doors as we continue this conversation. Right. And, and I've done uh, I've, I've done extensive training in what's called FEM, F-E-M-M. It's uh, natural family planning, but it's the usage of that for discussing hormone irregularities, for investigating for them, for giving women the understanding of their own bodies, but also be able to give feedback to the physician to say, hey, things are not right. Here's an amazing amount of data. Most of the women collect it on their phone using an app. A lot of women already do that with their period trackers. This is just one step or two steps above that where they're tracking other signs of fertility. And then we use that to actually help guide adjustments or awareness of hormone difficulties, other significant health issues that can play a huge role in women's, but it all amazingly comes down to, in many cases, ovulation so so much more than family planning yes so much so much more than family planning and and what i would say is that in order for ovulation to happen which for most women it should be happening once a month Mm -hmm. a lot of things have to go right Mm -hmm. and miraculously it does yeah i mean we just take for granted that these things are easy to turn on and turn off the switch 
uh, picture, but it, it's not. It's miraculous. Uh, only slightly less miraculous than having a baby, uh, which is ridiculously miraculous. I'll take it to another step there. So um, here's what I would say about ovulation that I th- that I think sets the tone for a conversation of how do we use hormonal therapy? Do we even consider oral contraceptive pills? Um, is really that their ovulation means that a lot is going right with a woman. And if it's not, then there are a fair number of things that are, that are medically askew for that woman. Right, like warning. warning yeah, warning, warning, warning. warning. Something's warning. going on. If you're not ovulating, yeah. maybe your thyroid is off. It may be that you are uh, deficient in some hormones that really could make a significant difference, not just for having a baby, right, but for your overall bone health and skin health and brain health and emotional stability and enjoyment of life and experience as a woman that God built into you and intended for you. Um, and, and we know that if you're not ovulating, it's, it's really an opportunity to say, hey, something's not, not quite right. Let's go work on this. Let's find out what it is that is not working well for you. Sometimes it comes down to insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. And many women are starting to pay attention to uh, the fact that if they're gaining weight or carrying extra weight in their midsection, their, their cycles can go haywire. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just actually a sign that you're not ovulating uh, and, and, and that the treatment for that may be maybe a diet, maybe a, a change in what you're eating. It may be uh, reducing your insulin resistance through medications. It may be increasing exercise or lifting weights. But it certainly isn't always, and I would say we run to this too quickly, to put you on a pill. Right. That, that seems to be, the f- again, the first step, yeah. which then masks all these other things that are going on. Yeah. yeah and, and sometimes it's a pituitary gland, and, and we could be masking that by throwing you again on a pill. Uh, it could be that you are not taking care of yourself stress-wise. Maybe you are um, um, working your body too hard. We see that regularly that that women will begin uh, doing triathlons and other things and they'll stop ovulating and they're actually causing a detriment to their body not just oh isn't that convenient that my body stopped no your body says stress bad things are stopping because warning warning you're not healthy something's wrong um and so here we go full circle ovulation is a really potent and and significant an event in a woman's every month that is a sign of good health. And when it's not there, it should actually make us ask, is there something that's not healthy about this woman? So here we go with that context to talk about hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you, you mentioned at the beginning, okay, what about acne? What about heavy periods? What about other things? Right. Well, here uh, we're going to go down the list of some, some things that, that we should consider before we go there. Mm-hmm. So... Um Hormonal birth control is blocking normal hormones. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Let's so let's go uh, as we said a deeper dive into birth control. What is (laughs) birth control actually doing? Well, uh, the conversation probably best starts with what is normal. Mm -hmm. Normal hormones for women and most women have a normal experience is about a 28 day cycle. So first off, if you're having uh, a, a cycle where you can almost predict from date to the next day to the next month. And you can say, oh, there it goes. Mm-hmm. My, my uh, time of the month is coming, which has been the experience for, for all of human history that women, uh, most women know when it's coming. Right. Well, that is a marvelous dance 
of two and actually three hormones that are going on. And the first hormone is estrogen, mm-hmm. which starts to rise just as your first day of bleeding happens. Starts to rise and rises and rises until about the 10th or the 14th day. And then it has a sudden plunge. The second half of the month, which takes over from there, is progesterone. The estrogen is made by the ovaries. Progesterone, which rises during the second half of the month, is actually created by the uh, the ovum, by the egg that's been expressed, that's getting ready to meet a sperm in the second half of the month um, and has supportive tissue that are giving progesterone. So you have these amazing dance of two different potent hormones, each having a, a, a balancing wave uh, one being higher during the first half of the month, estrogen. The second being higher in the second half of the month, progesterone. At the end of that 28 days, progesterone drops, and you have a bleeding, and it sheds the inside of the uterus that has been kind of prepared to hold a baby and to help a baby grow. And if it's not, uh, if there's not a fertilized child that comes along, then then that sheds, and it starts over with a fresh uh, circumstance for the next month. Underneath all that is a little bit of testosterone. Testosterone is always there in women, and most women don't realize it. It's actually one of the common reasons we find for infertility is either too much testosterone or too little. Mm-hmm. Testosterone is playing a role in getting a couple, a couple of dozen of the six million eggs that a woman is born with ready over about a 60 to 90 day period so that when ovulation occurs, a few of them come to the surface and one gets it, it beats all the others to have the opportunity to be pregnant that month. So why do I go through all this? Because birth control does not mimic this pattern. It flattens this pattern. And this pattern actually turns out to be quite essential for the way that women's brains work. Hmm. There are a fair number of hormones and triggers that are actually need a woman to have about a 10 to 14 day estrogen window and then about a 10 to 14 day progesterone window. And those parts of those brain, which are potent for memory, for emotions, for mental development, uh, for so many of the processes that, that create a woman and give a woman the experience that she should have. When you, basically what you're doing with hormonal birth control is you're giving the same dose of estrogen and progesterone, or maybe there's a little tweak and you take a, a slightly different dose over three days. They call that tricycline. You may right. have heard of yeah. that. Or some of them include a dose of tr- testosterone in it because we we know that some women really struggle with that this is not normal it's about as abnormal as it can get because what you're doing is you're interrupting this beautiful wave and ebb and flow that's so that's a major part of a woman's experience and you're flattening it mm-hmm. and that's not uh you talked a little bit about when most women get on birth control when they're teenagers. Oh, when they're teenagers. Yeah. And this is a time of life where the brain is going through huge changes, particularly in the uh, uh, amygdala and the hippocampus and some other places of the brain that are so much a part of emotions and attitude and, and memory and higher functioning and putting it all together. And and we, instead of letting these young women have those hormonal experiences, we're like, oh, time, of the time until you are ready to get pregnant, maybe you'll be 25 or maybe you'll find your husband (laughs) by 32. I mean, it could be 10, 15, sometimes 20 years of continuous low dose estrogen, progesterone, low dose testosterone, completely obliterating these normal hormonal patterns that a woman should be having. Right. Often without asking the question, is this right? Is this good? 
But how, how you were just talking about um, brain chemistry. Yeah. And how, how else does this impact brain chemistry? Well, it's, what's fascinating is uh, we talked a little bit about the two parts of the brain, the amygdala, the hippocampus, which are close to the pituitary gland that coordinates all these. And, and we're, if, if there's any part in medicine that we have so little understanding, it's the brain. Mm-hmm. But we know enough to be where we should be on our knees, worshiping God, going, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is amazing, yes. uh, as, as uh, I wish we were more often, more ought to do in medicine. Essentially, not only is it estrogen and progesterone, there's huge parts of our brain that are affected, but the women's brains that are affected by this, their brains are prepared for that um, through their uh, earliest stages of being formed in their mother's womb. These sit at the cornerstone of so many other brain chemicals. Here's a couple that you probably have heard of. Serotonin, Hmm. dopamine, norepinephrine, GABA. These are hormones that frequently find our, their way into our news because people are like, oh, yeah, GABA. Uh, I think I've got a cousin on gabapentin, mm-hmm. which is a nerve medication, potent, uh, used for pain, but also affects seizures and other things. Dopamine. People are always like, oh, I, I want a dose of dopamine so I can fall asleep. I can f-. And it's a, it's a hormone that, that impacts our well-being, our ability to rest. Uh, it's, we get surges of it at night. Serotonin implicated in, in a lot of depressive episodes or mood disorders, these are potent brain chemicals. And guess what? Flattening the hormones affects those, affects those in ways that we're not even fully understanding or, frankly, not even asking the question, uh, what is it doing when we put women on continuous birth control pills and we, and we intersect with uh, hormones that are, that are in, uh, such potent mm-hmm. to the way that women think and feel and me- remember and experience the world. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, if you want to go deep, I'm gonna include a link at the end of this conversation where you can read some some physicians that are doing this, asking these questions, and are talking about uh, just the amazing research on how many of these neurotransmitters are found in such important parts of the brain, and 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 yet uh, when we see deficiencies, how that can have an impact. But here's one: Did you ever know that? Or have you heard that birth control can contribute to women becoming depressed? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'm going to include a link as well. Harvard uh, did an amazing study where they looked at the experience of women taking birth control, and they comment uh, about this developmental period and how it really has a huge risk, a meaningful risk for women in their teen and, or in, and twenty early twenties that taking a birth control pill quadruples the risk of quadruples. depression. Yeah. Holy cow. Now, it's a, it, it's a small risk overall. Right. But we often look at, or I wish we would look at, women who have depression and say, oh, hey, I noticed you're on a birth control pill. Right. Guess what? The two are linked. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we, we have these sense of, of things to ask, and yet we don't stop and say, well, what are we doing when we put people on continuous hormonal suppression? Mm-hmm. Have you heard that birth control causes blood clots? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, and I'm bringing this up mostly to say that these are not small consequences when we introduce hormones or we change women's hormones. I worked in the emergency room for almost 10 years. Every time we saw a young woman that came in with blood clots, it was always birth control, and it was not infrequent. And yet it, it, it's, in the, it's in that paper insert. Right. Um, people even think enough, but they don't stop and say, well, maybe if I didn't introduce the hormones, that might be the best way to go. Mm-hmm. So j- just to kind of, 
kind of put the capstone on it. We, 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 we talked a little bit about this in the last talk, but really one of the biggest things is this radically changes the environment for a child to be born into, and it does not effectively stop all ovulation. So if you are on hormonal contraceptive, maybe for a whole other reason like acne or you're uh, taking it to regular period, regulate your periods, I hope that your physician is talking to you that you should be using a backup method barrier or something other during the middle of your month because even with faithfully taking birth control every day, um, there is still a significant breakthrough amount of ovulation. That means there is an egg being expressed that has a likelihood of being uh, becoming a child. Um, and, and it's going to come down into a uterus that's an unhappy place, a, a home that's been, that's been decimated because these hormones remove the healthy tissue that should be there in the uterus, and they, and they really make it a wasteland. Mm-hmm. So you're killing the child in its own home. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, and, and we don't say that lightly. Right. right. So how do you... Uh, approach birth control. What's your approach now? So I've, I've weighed out a number of things here. Right. And, and I think what I would tell people first off is why do we look at birth control as a switch? Why do we look at it as, oh, every kid should go on it? Why in medicine are we so quick to say, ah, you know, there's there's occasional problems with it, but but it's a it's a great benefit for almost everybody. Yeah. When we when we really can't answer that question. So my my approach is first off, do we have enough data? So when women come in, they, uh, in our office and they're saying, I really have heavy cycles um, or my cycles are really unpredictable and, and this is interrupting my ability to care for my family, I'm spending days on the couch, I'm in a lot of pain. Really, let's start by asking, do, do you have, how is, the, how is your health going? Mm-hmm. And, and before we say, let's take a hormone and suppress your cycles, let's wipe them out for a while, Let's actually a- ask some of the better questions. Mm-hmm. The better questions of what what is causing this, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's that's the approach that I would like to see women ask their physicians for. Of hey, do you? I'm tracking my cycle. Like women, give your physicians mm-hmm. data that you can gather at home, where you are keeping track of your cycles, you're keeping track of your bleeding, where you're actually uh, paying attention to other signs of fertility that might not be there, like cervical mucus and temperature such easy things to learn and potent signs that actually give meaningful data. And if you bring those to your physician, your physician goes, oh, I don't know what those are. Find another Find physician. Find another doctor because <laughs> they're, they're really poorly trained right. in my eyes. They're, right. they're so easy to, and so quick to give you an easy answer that instead of one that's thoughtfully thought through. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's actually gather some data and let's, let's actually have a really good conversation about this. And that's what we teach our women. We, we, actually, we usually encourage them to start tracking, get an app on their phone, take a natural family plan, planning c- class, not just for fertility awareness, but for health. Right. And then let's use that to actually then give thoughtful recommendations for checking insulin levels and risk for diabetes and conversations about hormonal deficiencies or hormonal problems where you might have too much. And then be better at just not one size fits all, but a consideration for how can we augment rather than slam this down. Right, flatten everything. Yeah, flatten everything. And that is the converse, common, kind of common conversation. I will say that I sometimes, and I think you and I had this conversation that you were surprised at, I do sometimes use uh, oral contraceptive pills not for a uh, uh, 
contraceptive effect. Right. But to say, hey, for the next couple of months, we're going to just stop your cycles, knowing we don't want to do this long term, mm -hmm. but also knowing we got to do something if you're sexually active with your with someone, husband, uh, that that recognizes there's a risk that, that you might um, still ovulate even while being on this medication, um, so that we don't have that second effect of causing an abortion. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there is a reason to be on a medicine short term. But you've said some pretty important words there. A couple times you said a couple months short term. Um, that this is, yeah, this is not just yeah. something that you're prescribing for the rest of it, your it, life. And what I see, it, it really runs very counter to the culture that I see in medicine, which is, hey, you started your cycle, great, time to get you on birth control. You're 13. Yeah. And women do stay on it for decades without any conversation about, is this right? Is it good? Does it have significant impacts for my mind and body long term? And we know that it does. Are they, are, are they huge for every woman? No. But are they necessary? And is this really the one-size-fits-all approach that, that often medicine is so, so quick to approach it? Mm -hmm. And then, honestly, the third is really that there are, there are often better ways, mm -hmm. not just hormones. There are better ways to care for yourself. And sometimes, ladies, having a conversation about eating well, mm -hmm. about taking care of the stress in your life, about sleeping, sleeping, which is so potent to your cycles. And many women skip over it because, ah, just give me the pill. Mm -hmm. So much easier. Um, uh, or maybe your physician is quick to skip over it. Hey, they just want you to take a pill. Let's actually have better conversations that are more whole body, whole mind, and the whole spirit. Well, thanks for having the conversation with me. If you have questions about birth control, hormonal therapy, some of the things that we've said that are quite potent about uh, the abortifactant effect, go looking. Mm -hmm. Send some conversations our way. Yes. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners, and, that, and, you, and, and many of you have sent emails to CrossPolitik saying, hey, Dr. Story, would you do a conversation on this? Yeah. Um, and let me encourage you. Find a Christian doctor in your community and then hold them accountable. Thanks so much for joining us in Cross Politic. We love to talk honestly and faithfully, and we want to encourage you to walk uh, in newness of life. Thank you through Jesus. Amen.